Hi, I'm Toby. I don't know about you, but I'm struggling to find life positive at the moment due to everything that's going on, but I'm going to have a jolly good go. So I've got a friend of mine to choose a Doctor Who story and to nominate their favourite things about it, one per episode and one bonus thing. And I'm going to watch along to try and mine it for those positives and see what my friend has chosen. Are you going to join me? Welcome to Happy Times and Places, a Doctor Who episode commentary podcast with me, Toby Haydock. So our latest guest has told me which story we'll be watching, and now they're going to tell you. Hi Toby, my name is John Cooper and I'm a comedian and illustrator. The story I've chosen is Time Flight because I think it's amazing and imaginative and has my favourite Doctor Who in it and the supersonic aeroplane Concorde and I remember telling you it was my favourite story and you telling me it was rubbish. So it's not, it's amazing. Time Flight is available from the BBC either as a single DVD or as part of the Season 19 Blu-ray box set so I hope you've popped it into your player and are ready for this viewing. Well, tonight's going swimmingly so far. I'll tell you all about that and this in a moment. But if you've managed to get your hands on your remote control, or whatever it is you use, please press play now. Oh! It's been quite an evening. Uh, I was intending to polish this off fairly quickly and it's taken me about an hour and three quarters to find the remote control. There's nothing temporary about this limiter. Um, I'm probably going to be mean about some of the t technology in time flight. Uh, but you know what? People will look back on us in the future and go, why did they have a thing that you couldn't use? It hasn't got any buttons on it, the Blu-ray player, that you couldn't use unless you could find a piece of equipment approximately the size of a microbe. Uh, anyway, it's time flight, which, which I thought was going to be the most of my problems this evening. Uh, but we will address that because this is a positive podcast slash videocast. And one of the reasons for doing this, John Flint, who's in The Crusade as Sir William de Preo, I know a rather sad story about him, but this is early days for this, and I, I'm, I'm not sure if this is the right medium to unveil a tragedy. I might, I might take advisement on that and talk in more detail when I get to do the crusade, uh, where he has rather more to do. He has some lovely scenes with Jacqueline Hill as Barbara, uh, and I was rather disappointed. I mean, I was rather disappointed when I watched this many years later um, to realise how little he does because he was an actor from the Hartnell era, you know, illustrious. Be quiet, Alexa, don't you ruin my life as well. Technology is besetting me this evening. Uh, <laughs> uh, we should be doing the seeds of death so I could talk about putting all your eggs in one basket. Um, but this podcast was designed to be positive, and there's nothing worse than actually looking around for somebody to talk about or write about something that you love or that you like, only to find them be mean about it. And we're currently in the midst of coronavirus and various schisms between people p politically, ideologically, and even in the world of Doctor Who. Uh, and so actually it's quite 
timely that John Cooper, my good friend, a fine comic, uh, chose Time Flight and in his introduction that you all have just heard, sort of said when he told me it was his favourite story, I said it was rubbish. I hate me for doing that. Um, when somebody enthusiastically says to you, I like this thing, they go, oh, God. So that's... So in a way, I've been... You know, I've I've had a, a shot across my own bows early on in this to 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 sort of point out, you know, to, to, that that I'm as guilty of the things that I'm reacting against in this podcast. Uh, and here we have the season story arc, the death of Adric uh, being addressed. Now, I think I'd I think I'd missed the beginning of episode one might talk about that later as well um uh, when this was on so i don't think i'd seen them sort of address the death of adric adric has died in tragic circumstances one of the most memorable parts of my childhood um and of course they laudably they address that at the beginning of this story uh, and davison peter davison sells it very very well he's such a good actor um and essentially they go adric is dead it's not that kind of show let's just get on with it and and in fact that was sort of telly of of the time there were the there weren't you know if in things like juliet bravo and, and and all the sort of episodic telly that you watched bergerac things like that um there was nothing that that sort of hung around to distract from what was going on this week. A different way of doing things. Um, I mean, and I have to say, I, I mean, I love the new series. Um, but but when at the end of The Runaway Bride, the Doctor said, her name was Rose. I was like, no, no, she's she's got, oh, we're not going to be banging on about her. For, and I love Rose. And I was really sad that she went, but she's, she's gone. Have an adventure on a planet I've never been to before. I don't want you crying. <laughs> Although, of course, all of that stuff is so well done. But, um, <laughs> I mean, this is real. He's basically said, we've we've drawn a line under Adric. Uh, uh, in fact, we're going to have, as soon as we hit Heathrow Airport, we're in caper mode. Um, but... As a as a youngster, uh, and as part of the appeal with Doctor Who, I think is always where are they taking us this week, or you know the start of a new adventure is always what's you know what what are you unleashing that th that's fresh and new because that was the thing about Doctor Who is that it, it does I always say it's it doesn't he doesn't necessarily travel in time and space as much as he travels in genre. You can have. Um, well, look at this season, you know, Kinder, Black Orchid, Earthshocker in, are almost entirely different television programmes. Um, and that's what I love about Doctor Who, uh, is that uh, the TARDIS can land on a freeze frame of Heathrow Airport. Um, and, and my main... As I say, I, I'm watching the Blu-ray, by the way, for the first time. I've, now, I've seen the special features, but I've not watched The, the Adventure... So it's sort of freshly minted uh, because, you know, I thought I I, didn't, I I don't think I watched any of the stories on, on this set. Um, and, and certainly not. Uh, Time Flight would not have been top of my list, which is why I'm 
sort of quite excited. I I do remember airport control being in a cupboard with files on the back uh, of the wall. Um, uh, but but Heathrow itself. I mean, this is. I mean, credit to John Nathan Turner actually. Uh, and and I seem to recall when he submitted the scripts. You had to submit the scripts upstairs, didn't you? When he submitted the scripts to his boss. His boss went, uh, yeah, that's fine, but you'll never get permission to film at Heathrow Airport. And he sort of went, uh, actually, I've already got filming dates scheduled for here, here and here. And you sort of go, yeah, because you, you, you can imagine what sort of person the boss would have been. Yeah, yeah, you'll never do that. You get quite a lot of dismissive people in high up positions. Just going, oh, you'll never do that. Yeah. Whereas they should be going, oh, that's a brilliant idea. Let us know how we can help you. Um, and Nathan Turner, for all of uh, all of his controversial takes on the show, uh, knew how to grab a headline and filming at Heathrow. And of course, with Tegan's story, Tegan has been trying to get to Heathrow all season. So that's the other that's the other story arc. The big bad is the geographical location of Heathrow Airport. Uh, And now this is Peter Sellier as uh, Andrews, the security officer. Peter Sellier is a fine actor. And uh, I mean, I was too young to know who he was when I first watched this. And when I got the sort of Doctor Who magazine with the episode guy, and I was Peter Sellier because he was around. He was in all sorts of... um, sitcoms he's in keeping up appearances uh and yes minister as i i think quite often i think he's a semi-regular in yes minister or certainly does appears in it more than once but he's sort of mr vicar slash civil servant in uh sitcom and has had a fine stage career and is still going uh good for him uh, I, I think he must be one of the doctor's non-nigerians i i'm guessing he's he must be 90 um and I remember being quite shocked to go, Andrews? Well, I don't even know who that is in Time Flight. And it's it's a one episode part. Um, he must have just, he must have just been a bit, just not had all that much going on. Um, now, I loved all of this as a kid. So, so John Sudbury. And now I assumed that must be some continuity reference. No, it's just, just thrown in. He's a, he's one of those, ah, but Brigadier Lethbridge, that was enough to make my week uh uh the 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 mention of somebody from the past it's a very doctor who fan thing that instead of enjoying the present you worry about the future and you uh, and you love to be in touch with the past i'm not speaking for every doctor who fan i am speaking for myself certainly in my younger years uh so in a sense you can understand john nathan turner doing what he did, which was so often invoked the past, because it went down so well when he did. And I was one of those people. I mean, uh, not a vocal one. I was out in the countryside in the middle of nowhere. I was, you know, I, Doctor Who was very much a solo pleasure, quiet at the back. Uh, but, uh, you know, the, the, the past... And we we look we mock the past so much now, and I don't think we're any better for it. Uh, the past, to me, was hallowed ground where they did things better and properly. I don't know when it happened when we decided to look at, say, old telly 
uh, and mock it, which is, again, this is hopefully a, an antidote to. And again, I've had a reminder of why, yes, some of the technology may be slightly limited on this, but <laughs> ours isn't all it's cracked up to be. I was so furious. Um, and of course, the more I looked, the more furious I got. Uh, I, I feel like I've, I started looking when it, I was in Jurassic England. But this is a this is a a, a, a very um, different story from the one you have in your mind's eye because this episode is is a mystery of a missing Concord. We haven't got to the 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 bits that everybody sort of talks about. Peter Davis himself did an interview when he he talked about this. Oh, look at that gorgeous shot of the Concord in the snow. That is so beautiful. I mean, that is a million dollars. Um, as I say, Peter Davison talked about that set. He did a, an interview on a documentary called The Doctors and, uh, you know, said, oh, it looked a bit crap. And I know John Nathan Turner wasn't over the moon about that. He wasn't saying Doctor Who is crap. He was saying the the set of Jurassic England looks crap. I love the TARDIS on the forklift truck on its side. The TARDIS is brilliant, isn't it? Because... It sort of fits in any, anywhere whilst looking kind of incongruous anywhere, which is exactly what you want. It's sort of comfortable. It's a comfortable shape and a comfortable colour, but it is slightly old-fashioned and ramshackle, but therefore fits quite quaintly uh, into anywhere. I love the TARDIS on the forklift truck in the snow. What a great image. See, this is, this is looking... I mean, the, the studio stuff is quite studio-y, but that's okay. That that looks not unlike any drama that would have been been on at the time. And this film stuff looks absolutely gorgeous. The Concorde looks great. The snow looks, there's some fantastic publicity photos. I, I remember there was a Doc 2 magazine I had. I had very few, which had... Did it have Tegan or did it have all of them on there? I can't even remember, but... A great shot of them with the Concorde. Richard Easton as Captain Stapley. Now, the last time I watched this, actually, was for a book I wrote with Rob Sherman called Running Through Corridors. Uh, and the third volume hasn't been published yet. It is all, this is all done in various forms. But, but I think the, the thing we both came out of loving with uh, 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 when, when we watched this was, was Richard Easton, who gives such a game performance. Um, I always feel sorry for the two two men in the cupboard, uh, <laughs> who I will talk about when they come back. Great shot of uh, Concord. I'm I'm really loving the airport setting. I think it. Uh, uh, well, obviously the faceless ones has has an airport, but that feels special because of that. Just the just the thing of going. Oh, let's set it in a place. Let's just 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 uh, uh, mix things up a bit. Give us a, an interesting setting. Although, I mean, I'm no expert, but I I don't think that's what airport control looks like. I, I think it's the filing cabinet in the background um, and, and a man in a brown jumper. I, d I don't know. They, it just looks like he's uh, he's lounging around on a, on a Sunday looking for a book to read. Um, and the other the confusing thing for me as a as a youngster who wanted to know things was that those two men in the cupboard, one, the man with the moustache, who's Brian McDermott, very interesting and eccentric actor, uh, who I will talk about later, um, and Peter Dalson, um, 
who I haven't seen in anything else, I don't think. Uh, he has, he's done bits and bobs, but none that I stick in mind to me. Um, these two, neither of their characters are referred to by name on screen. So I didn't know which one was which for ages and ages and ages until um, I found out a bit more about Brian McDermott, who was one of the earliest people to, or certainly an early advocate and stander for the referendum party, as was that sort of became UKIP. Uh, and he did, I think one man shows about Saddam Hussein and Adolf Hitler. He was a bit of a character, a bit of a, 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 a bit of an eccentric. And, and yes, a, a man who wanted an independent Britain and would do agitprop sort of theatre and one man shows uh, uh, in order to make that point. And ran a, ran a theatre company and um, was a bit of a character. He does lots of what I call clench fist official acting in this, where you show that you're a little bit testy by uh, by by every time you walk, you've got your hand by your side doing that. Uh, it's a it's a particular character actor trait in uh, sort of dramas involving boardrooms or or testy officials. He's actually not unlike, although not not I I, I would contend not an actor in quite the same league as um, as Colin Gordon as the commandant in. The Faceless Ones, who is also a testy, mustachioed uh, uh, official. Um, but Colin Gordon. Oh, well, we will wait till we get to The Faceless Ones, uh, which uh, has yet to be claimed. Keith Drinkle here, as uh, Roger Scobie, uh, was in a lot at the time. Uh, cropped up in all sorts of things. Um, still around. He's in a spin-off video. Is it video? Do you call them videos nowadays? He's in a spin-off uh, called Zygon, and you see rather a lot of him, I have to say. But, uh, uh, not the sort of thing I associate with Doctor Who. Um, but uh, there is something glorious about the fact that there's a, a, a slightly saucy, but it's not saucy. It's I mean, it's just got nudity in it to sort of go, we're grown up, we may be from the Doctor Who show, but look, here's a winkle. Um, and it's it's Drinkle's winkle. Um, <laughs> Oh dear, this see this still looks great. The episode has interesting because it's sort of down as a duff production, crap, as Peter Davison said. Um, it looks great so far, and it, and the the film stuff is really nicely shot. I adored that shot of the Concord. Uh, and and you know there's just something about real metal and rust and snow, that sort of things that you don't get in a studio. So they just really. Help, and they're unusual, you know, because we are so used to stuff being largely in the studio with Doctor Who. Oh, and oh yes, of course, this is this is where it suddenly all goes right. You're suddenly in the studio, and they're suddenly CSO. I, I mean, I I have to say, I I don't think that's transmittable today. I don't think you could. I mean, we've gone from really nicely, con nice, convincing film and we're supposed to be in the same place. I know it's an illusion and we're waiting for a special effect to transport us to um, Paleolithic times or whatever, whatever they are. But, but, but in terms of the continuity of the visual image, that cut that, of that beautiful film shot of, of Nyssa to that 
videotape shot of the corpses to this fringy CSO abomination uh, is that would not pass technical technical standards now uh, and it's really odd because the wipe doesn't have them in the same in the same standing positions though I was expecting the sort of wipe I knew it became Jurassic England I was expecting them to be standing in the same place which would necessitate the CSO we saw before they could have done that all that previous bit on film uh and then you know cut to cut to videotape and after the flash it would have been a much better uh cut now but I am supposed to be accentuating the positive and it's a it's a very neat idea and you could never criticize Doctor Who for its ambition you can't because what separated Doctor Who from all the other television shows for me at the time was that it did things no other television show did and Doctor Who should always try to do things that no other television show should do and and sometimes that means not quite pulling it off but um, in a world where you know like that BBC man said oh you'll never get Concord well he did so actually it was worth a try wasn't it so they didn't pull that off but but nobody didn't have a go uh and uh and sometimes sometimes people have a go and they, they get it wrong uh i i mean as a child this totally convinced me uh i was rather sad for the actor leon nei tai uh, for being bottom of the credits when he was playing the villain. I didn't get that yet because I, I read the credits. <laughs> uh, and that building's great. Um, the, the perspective... The perspective works there, actually. It's such a big ask to do... Uh, uh, you know, it, oh, oh, that's, that's a decent... That's a decent shot, actually, that little effect shot. I'd forgotten about that. It's it. It's a it's a it's a big ask to 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 do this to do this, uh, set in a in a studio. Um, actually, those rocks are fine, um, and I I do like the three pilots, um, and I believe that Ron Jones did look didn't realise that Anthony Ainley would be playing. Khalid, which uh, uh, might have, because uh, it's because uh, it's interesting though, because that I've never seen this being described as problematic in a way that uh, 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 John Bennett in the Talons of Wang Chiang is, but it's the it's the same thing, I suppose, because it is the master in disguise. I suppose, I suppose, I, I suppose it is justified in those terms. Um, but it is, but I, yeah, but, oh, that's a nice shot of, uh, of the Doctor and Tegan through the, the wreckage that was rendered in a, in a nice, in a nice point of view shot as well. Um, credit to Peter Davison. He's, uh, he's always on the ball. Uh, uh always 
seeking to make it work and seeking to make it interesting. They're very old-fashioned, aren't they, these uh, these pilots? I don't know any pilots, uh, so I don't know if they're... Oh, actually, my friend Mark is a was a military pilot, but... Um, now, watching this um, Blu-ray, it's been cleaned up. You, the backdrop is uh, Indian Juju Man. I'm, I'm, I think that's quite problematic as well. Uh, Dave Culshaw and Angela Clifford. Now, Dave Culshaw is Barney Lawrence, who had been a Marshman, but had also been one of the androids uh, in Earthshock. So it's quite nice for us to see his face finally. Um, uh, I didn't know you had a New York stopover. Is that is that Angela Clifford's line? Poor old Angela Clifford. Um, now the... the what? Uh, the no, that was the Plasmatons. Uh, which is again another sort of brave stab isn't it um i think if they didn't have legs uh and it's a bit it's a bit like the slitheen isn't it is that they're they're rendered with the visual effect a bit of bubble bath later on and the the men with legs like the slitheen when they were cgi and they were suited it's 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 difficult to 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 marry them all together um although i the addition of the bubble bath actually helps to meld them there, so that's okay. That's okay. Uh, yeah, some tricky visuals, I have to say, in the last uh, in the last few minutes. But 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 up to that, this is a it's an intriguing adventure uh, with a, a testy commandant Horton or Sheard Sheard. Um, oh, and John Flint gets credited above Peter Sellier. Goodness. Um, like Leon Ney Tai right at the bottom. Um Yeah, that was uh <laughs> that was quite jolly. It was quite a jolly romp so far. But uh Gosh the budget's uh, the budget's a hard one to wrangle. But I'm not arguing with the ambition. And sometimes good solid ambition is loading worth a cartload of cash. <laughs> or some such. Uh, well, uh, oh, so I have to... Uh, well, I've got to press pause, which I will do now, because I think I'm on play all on my Blu-ray box set. So, I've got to choose my favourite thing of that. Well, I think it's the film work. I think it's the shot of Concord on film, that beautiful shot of Concord, but if I, I'll take in the whole snow, the TARDIS on the forklift truck, so the film work on the landing place, <laughs> whatever it's called, at Heathrow Airport, I thought was glorious. What has lovely John Cooper chosen? Now he's on, he's on music, and I've lined him up. I don't know what he's going to say. It's all a mystery to me. My favourite thing about episode one is the plasmatons, because I remember that back in the day, anything that was an amorphous blobby thing would scare me, like the things in the Three Doctors as well. Uh, so the plasmatons from episode one. Um, that's interesting. The plasmaton. OK. Well, isn't that because, of course, John is, is going back to his childhood. I hadn't actually remembered the plasmatons 
from when I was a kid. I'd not remembered the monsters. I'd remembered Professor Hater and I'd remembered the the, the Zeraphin. Um but uh, but but the plasmatons I'd I'd totally forgotten. So obviously John John's hooked in there because they're a memory from his youth. Uh note to self, uh somebody who watched the three doctors as a kid might choose the gel guards if uh, if if if, uh, if 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 John's anything to go by there. Um so <laughs> Uh, okay, so uh, I chose uh, the Concord. John chose the Plasmatons, so uh, I didn't guess what he guessed. Let's see if I can guess uh, what uh, uh, what he does in future episodes. But that is for another edition. So uh, I'm just going to go and... Uh, Uh, line up the the next bit. Um, sorry, I was I was I was going to say I'm just going to go and smash up my Blu-ray player because of this thing, uh, which means I'm now about two hours behind schedule. But I could be in Jurassic England. I I could be in a BBC studio in the early 1980s having to make Jurassic England on a shoestring budget. So actually, I'm very lucky. Uh, thank you very much for joining me. Join me for episode two of Time Flight. Until next time, goodbye. I think you'll find. 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 Now, not so much as a correction, but actually picking myself up on something I neglected. Perhaps I'm correcting myself. Peter Dalson, who plays the brown jumpered man in the very small radar office uh, uh is an australian actor and i knew i knew something about him uh i knew that uh, he'd gone into law and indeed he was called to the bar in 1996 uh, and i have seen him in things he was in an australian series called bodyline which i saw um, and he was in sons and daughters can't be many people who've been in doctor who and sons and daughters but um Yes, Peter Dalson is now a, a, a trial advocate and he has done lots of trial work, including murders, attempted murders, manslaughters, uh, and has represented a number of defendants facing the most serious crimes. So uh, he's, uh, he's mostly a criminal defence lawyer now. Uh, so um, even somebody whose sole contribution to Doctor Who is to sit in a cupboard in a beige shirt and a brown jumper has a fascinating story to tell. I'm going to put him on my list of people to maybe uh, pursue and see if I can get him to tell his story because I'm sure he's got some memories of Doctor Who and I'm sure he's had a very interesting life since. But um, I didn't want to just leave him hanging as the man in the brown jumper. I think you'll find there's more to him than that. Of course there is. Thanks to my guest, John Cooper. John is a terrific comedian who has lately prospered on stage with his alter ego, Danny Pensive, a disarming and charming love letter to geekery, a beautifully benign and gentle creation who will particularly appeal to listeners of this kind of podcast. Check him out if you can, and also John's other creative endeavours, which include illustration and cartoonery. I'll leave the final words to him, and wish you all the very best until next time we meet on or behind the sofa for another episode of Time and Space's Best Ever TV Show. 
Uh, you can see me on stage as Danny Pensive, and uh, I have a comic out at the minute called Distance, which is all about the crazy things and dark things that have been happening uh, in the world since March. Uh, it's a strip that I've started. It's going on Kickstarter. You can find out more about it at johncooper.org.uk. Happy times and places. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to my supersonic podcast, Happy Times and Places, which was presented by me, Toby Haydock. My special guest was the comedian and illustrator John Cooper. The music for this podcast was specially composed by Dave Gates. My thanks to this episode's featured patrons, John Deere, Ian Key, Jenny at Blue Box 99, Richard Byatt, Paul Carrington, James Gould, Joe Llewellyn, Nathan Moore, Nick Temple, and Apollo C. Vermouth. And thanks, of course, to everyone who is supporting me via patreon.com forward slash Toby where you can get early access and bonus episodes, plus various other goodies. Don't forget to subscribe to the official Toby Haydoke YouTube channel.